Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. For SEN America, this is the SEN NBA podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the SEN NBA podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Sakarian. We haven't done one of these in a few weeks. We've thought we'll just wait till some storylines build up across the NBA landscape, and they have. Joining me across the desk, as always, Chris Tyler, at Christos Tyler on Twitter. Chris, how are you? Good, mate. How are you? Good to be in the studio. Yes, it's always good. And Mike Velasaris as well, at MickVal12 on Twitter, as always. Good afternoon, boys. How's it going? Very well. It's good to be back after a couple of weeks. Yeah, we've had a bit of a hiatus, but that's mainly just because there's been nothing really to talk about. I mean, it's It's the down patch Mm. of the NBA. We've got to get another superstar to say they want to leave. (laughs) It is the down, it's the downfall. Saying that, that, we're very sports as basketball fans. This offseason has been phenomenal. Obviously, we've had the Kyrie Irving news since all the other free agency news broke. So even though it has been a quiet three weeks or so, we have been spoiled for the majority of this offseason. We, we we shouldn't really complain, so I'm happy. If the downfall is only about three weeks, I think you're in a pretty oh. good position as a league exactly. in terms of maintaining a 24-hour, a 12-month-a-year uh, cycle Definitely. of news. I what, think that's what a What other good league has this much coverage well, yeah, during their yeah. offseason? Yeah. Name yeah. one. I, I argue that the, the NBA offseason, especially with American sports, has got to be the biggest mm. offseason, even more so than NFL. I know NFL yeah. kind of rules the American sporting mm. landscape, but NBA offseason is... From what I can tell, much bigger than the NFL offseason. Yeah, and on that as well, you've got to remember, the NBA offseason does occur during baseball season, and it does trigger into some parts of the NFL preseason. So it's even competing yeah. with actual sports yeah. that are happening, but it still manages to maintain a real, you know... Uh, just hold. Yeah, hold. it yeah. just it always it draws people in, and we're, it's exactly what we're going to start talking about first. We're going to start talking about Kyrie Irving. Now, he has been the story of the offseason for mine. All Thank the biggest, God. Thank God for Kyrie. The surprise. He's giving us a lot more talking points. Now, it it did go a bit quiet the last couple of weeks. You had the initial trade request. You had all the initial first week of mad rumors. And then it kind of died off a bit. Now, it's starting to... The whole rumor mill starting just to heat up a little bit. And I wanted to start on this point. It's a really interesting point that the Cavs reportedly are planning for a future without LeBron in this trade negotiation. Which they've been doing for a while, by the way. No, have they? I don't think they have. Yeah, I think no. they have, especially with that Cole Corver deal when they kind of knew that there was one of those draft picks that they weren't going to have to give up because they thought, all right, maybe it wouldn't be so good I think the- in a couple of years' time when LeBron's contract is... I, th- I think they've been known, they've known that this is coming for a while, especially in the last couple of months. I don't know if this is something that's just kind of come up in the last couple of weeks. No, I think that by them signing all these older guys on these one-year... That's what you have to do. Mid- well, yeah, so I think that that's planning for the now. I haven't but even, really- even if you think LeBron is leaving at the end of next year, you you still put as many pieces around him where you think you're going to be able to win the championship oh, straight th- away. There's no doubt, yeah. but I don't think there's been a real urgency to, to plan without him as well because there hasn't been an injection of youth and there hasn't been an emphasis and focus on the draft. Because we win now mode. Well, yes, exactly right. But now, it, reportedly, that's starting to turn. They're starting yeah. to saying, well, no... From this deal, if Kyrie goes, we assume that James will be following next. 
So how are we going to... I think they, they can't... They have to learn from, from 2010. And oh, yeah. And they're trying to get yeah. on the front foot now. Yeah. And they can't probably let the Kyrie Irving saga drag on for too long. If he is adamant of still going, even if they try and convince him and he does rock up to training camp, I think they've got to, they've got to get on the front foot, try and get the best possible deal for yeah. him. We don't want to see what a, like a, a Paul George what happened there. And then if LeBron does go, then they're just they're 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 back to square one. They're probably in a worse off position yeah. than 2010, and they don't want to go anywhere near that. So I, I I'd have to agree with Luke. This is news that they're planning for maybe uh, without a LeBron. Yeah, and I think 20, it's hard to make a direct comparison to 2010 because it's very different situations. Of course, with where the teams were and LeBron's decision. And you I kind d- of we know how LeBron is now. We kind of didn't know how he was. Yeah, back then. it was new. And no, he, it was very new. And he's been the first one to say he would have changed the way he went about it in 2010, in the the presentation, the ESPN hour special and all that type of stuff. So he's been the first to admit that. So I don't think Cleveland are going to be caught out of left field again like they were in 2010. I do think LeBron will give him a bit of a, a notice, a heads up. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's not in direct comparison, but at the same time, they have to learn from what happened. In 2010, they have to have some kind of contingency in place. I mean, it is a worst case scenario contingency, but you have to have it nonetheless. And I think they're planning on on doing that with this Kyrie situation by prioritizing that young talent. So, some names that got reported were Porzingis from the Knicks, which is highly unlikely. But I mean, that his relationship with New York is still isn't settled. Correct. I mean, we don't know how that is. So that's still a live possibility. Jason Tatum from the Celtics, their first round pick this year, and that's a real interesting one for mine. Chris, I mean, would you, if you're Boston, would you think about giving up Tatum if Irving was was coming back the other way, or do you stick with with Jason? I so, mean, what what it's going to take for the Celtics to end up getting Irving, which I don't like. I, I, I don't want us to go for Kyrie Irving in the first place. I'm happy with Isaiah for now. I know he only has one year left on his contract before we have to pay him, and he is getting on in age and all that sort of stuff, and. I don't know how that whole contract situation is going to play out, but from my perspective, it's going to take too much to actually get Kyrie Irving over because they probably yeah. won't take Tatum straight up. If it's a straight swap, no. Cleveland aren't going to do it. It's going to take at least probably three of these pieces, combination of our young players as well as future draft picks. Yeah, the, the and I just don't picks, want yeah. to sacrifice a lot of our assets for someone like Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, I don't think, fits in with the whole mantra of what Brad Stevens is trying to achieve with the team. He wants to go to a team where he can be the number one guy. He wants to be that 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 bigger-than-basketball guy. In Boston at the moment, that's not really how we operate. We're, we've got a team-first mentality. No one's really bigger than any, everyone else. We play a very specific brand of basketball, and I don't think Kyrie Irving really fits in with what we're trying to do. And if, if we have to give up these pieces, and these pieces, these assets are valuable not just because next year we could potentially have two top five picks, but it also means that we have these assets. If someone like Anthony Davis does become available for us, I would rather us hold hold fat with our assets at the moment and wait until a player like Anthony Davis becomes available, if that ever does happen. And it might not. There's a very good chance that Anthony Davis isn't going to be available. But I would much rather run the risk of keeping our assets on the off chance that Anthony Davis becomes available. Because worst chance, in that situation, if we... Go for that and we go, all right, we're going to risk um, not getting Kyrie Irving so we can have these assets for Anthony Davis. The worst case, we use the picks. Yeah, which, worst is, case. which isn't everyone's a bad saying, case. Everyone's <laughs> saying, Ange has to deal these assets. Nah. No, we don't. 
we could have two top five picks next year, and we're going to talk about uh, the draft a little bit mm. in some depth later on in the podcast. There's five superstar talents next year's draft, and if we have two of those five players, like we we shouldn't be in a rush to get rid of any of these picks. Would you do a? a it's highly unlikely that either side would want it. Cleveland definitely would. But would you take a Kyrie for a straight swap of um, a, a Thomas? A, a Thomas, swap, one for one. Thomas, one for one. Yes, you would. Yeah, yeah. probably. That's not saying anything yeah. against um, it because I love it. The contract situation's better. Kyrie's got an extra year on his contract, yeah, and he's a lot younger and, and, and he's a lot younger and better for mine. But of course, he, look, he probably is better, but he's not as much better as everyone's no, saying. Last yeah. year, it had a better year. Yeah, and I, I mean, mean both a similar point guard, but they don't really pass that much. I think they both averaged around five assists last hmm. year. And from Cleveland's point of view, that would go. And again, this, this that was just thrown out there. That goes completely against but, what this report is saying. Getting a twenty and the money also old. doesn't add up, so you're going to have to throw in yeah. any uh, other other bits as well. Because what, what's uh, Irving on at the moment? Sixteen, eighteen, mil, uh, 18 yeah. and it's on six, so the yeah. money just doesn't add up. But if it was somehow just in a vacuum straight swap, yeah, of course I'd do it with with the contract. Moving to maybe New York, and a, a, mm. a, I don't know how it would work again, but a straight swap for Kyrie and Pozingas. I mean, Pozingas is 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 amazing. Yeah. Uh, he's a unicorn. There's no doubt. But if Cleveland go after him, mm. they're going to have so many talls. Like, as LeBron said last year, they're already top-heavy. You get rid I of mean, the other talls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> TT's on a bad contract. Yeah. You couldn't swap him. I don't know what Pazingas, he's still on a rookie contract. He's mm-hmm. on probably four, five million mm-hmm. ago. Irving's on 18, as we said. You'd probably have to take on Noah's contract as well. And I think he's got three years, around 55 million left on that. It's not pretty. So, I mean, you get a Pazingas and you're going for the future, but would you risk having that burden on you for another three years at you can't. No, was untradeable at that. At that. Cost. How are the other contracts? Most of the contracts are expiring, or, or how are they looking yeah, for long term? So, so, so Tristan Thompson's under contract till nineteen twenty. J.R. Smith's under contract until nineteen twenty as well. Obviously, Iman Chumpet's coming up to a player option at the end of eighteen nineteen. You'd yeah. almost let him. He's not uh, worth much. Yeah, no, he's not worth you much. Throw at him all. in the trade just to get it. Irving and Love, yeah. of course, they've got their player options at the end of nineteen twenty. Guys like Derek Rose, Jeff Green, Calderone, Channing Fry. This is all their last year of their deals. Richard Jefferson's got an extra year on his. There's not really that many tours there. I mean, you look at it. Tristan, it is an, probably an untradeable contract. Tristan's the type of guy where he, he's a fit guy. He's a role guy. He will go to a team that needs him. The team just isn't going to get him just because let's just try and upgrade our talent because he's not that type of guy. Mm-hmm. So if you find a right fit for Tristan, I think you could make a deal possible in some way or another. Obviously, Kevin Love, I mean, do they look to move him? I don't know. I, we kind of don't have any clarity on the Kevin Love situation, whereas there have obviously been rumors of he wants to stay or Cleveland wants to get rid of him. We don't know. I mean, they changed by the year, so who knows with Kevin Love. I wouldn't have thought they'd want to get rid of him. Not I, I, I would have. No, Kyrie I wouldn't. wanting to leave. I wouldn't think so, but if Kyrie does go and they say, well, hang on, we, if they do want to start again, if they want to go youth, they could pass him up for for younger talent. Yeah, but then now you're talking too much into the future. Now we're getting ahead of ourselves and maybe LeBron's going. Well, yeah. You know, I'm talking more so on the yes. Kyrie situation. Yeah. Like, yeah no, I, Kyrie's 25. He's a big name. New York desperately needs maybe a, an already cemented star, whereas Who wants is to on be the there? way up. Yeah, yeah. Need someone. Well, I guess if, if, if that's it, but he, if, he, if Kyrie is he's is from Brooklyn, is he New York, New Jersey, New Jersey? If yep. Kyrie is swapped to New York and Pazingas comes in return, 
Kyrie gets what he wants, and that's being the number one man. Yeah, Because yeah. we assume Definitely. Carmelo moves on as well, but yeah. even if Carmelo's there, I would still give give and the race. And it was one of the four Irving. that he wanted to go to yep. that he listed. Yeah, he also it was also reported today that he would sign a long term extension with the Spurs if that which is strange situation strange. were to occur. Because like it is Another like you mentioned team. with Boston, it doesn't fit the mold of an individual not not an individual team, but an isolation heavy team. You're our guy. It's the complete opposite. Yep. It's the team system. It's the culture. The ball movement. You know, you're not this outright. Absolute no players bigger than the system. Yeah. That's the whole thing about Boston and the Spurs, yeah. and that's not what Kyrie wants. Kyrie Which wants to be the guy. Just makes this Kyrie situation an extra element of strangeness <laughs> to it. Like, it really is. It, two, I mean, it happened, what, a month or so ago, the request, or nearly two months. I still don't really have any real understanding on it. It, just, it seems very strange what's happened. I feel like there's a lot more to it that doesn't meet the eye that we don't know yet. Which is the case in a lot of these situations, yeah, but sure. we can only talk about what we know, I guess. Yeah, maybe his his ego is really that big, and he just thinks that he can lead a team to yeah. to the holy trinity, whatever you want to call it. I mean, and then you can, but like you're not going to win a championship in this current NBA the way it's going yeah. with Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and then you can start the conversation as well. Of course, when he signed his his big deal, LeBron wasn't yeah. there yet. So he signed with the mindset of, I'm going to take this team to the promised land. Or was it Not... two weeks later LeBron came back? Less than yeah. two weeks later? Yeah. And... 11 days. Yeah. yeah, and when Kyrie signed, the LeBron thing wasn't kind of in the picture. I mean, it would have been in the works, but it wasn't really... There wasn't mm, that knowledge. many strong ideas of it. Now, did Kyrie know? I mean, who knows? Only he knows that. We can't say it down here, but... I don't think he would have. I, I don't think he would have, because it's a really interesting one. And I think another interesting thing about this Kyrie situation is it does show how teams are building rosters in this day and age. So if Cleveland do trade Irving, they want to, they want to go younger players. They don't want to trade for another prime guy. So it's prioritizing the long term instead of going out short term for a, for a slight chance to beat Golden State. They're going to say, no, no, no. We would rather go long term and invest our assets in, in five, six years down the track as opposed to let's make a quick one to two year run when we kind of know it's not, Gonna work. I mean, I think the Rockets are kind of going for that quick hit now with with Chris Paul, and if they get Carmelo Anthony, there are other teams that are going for more long term. I think it's a really, a really intriguing dynamic in how these teams build. How do you? Boston have taken the long term approach, definitely in terms of well, a bit of both because then you bring in Haywood and Horford the last yeah, couple of years. But but in terms of, it's not like they just got all those guys in one hit. Correct. It's been a process build up and it's Correct. not finished yet because of all the assets you have which started from the Brooklyn trade which looks more Still and more going. In, looks more Still and more a couple of years left of those looks more what and more incredible but but by the day that that's still <laughs> one of the greats um, mysteries how, how, in how that happened. Whoever accepted that, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of answering to do. Well, at the time a lot of Celtics fans were, were kind of upset about well, it. Brooklyn had the super team. They did. <laughs> But in the end, they paid all this money and all this, um, all these future assets for one year of being the top four side. That's essentially what they yeah. did. But at the time, because we were getting rid of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Jason Terry, like that was kind of heartbreaking for yeah. a Celtics fan. Because when it, when a trade first happens, you could just kind of look at the names, right? And you, think and you look it, at the now. You yeah, the now. you look at the now yeah. and you're like, all these guys are gone. These guys just won us a championship not so long ago. We love these guys. They are... Boston, and we yeah. get rid of them, and when we get future draft picks back, and you don't know that the Nets are going to be as bad well, as they were going to be. Say, no one thought the Nets were going to dismantle as quickly as exactly. they did. We all thought that would still be around the playoff 
team, not yeah. not first pick, second pick, third pick. You, you, when you're looking at it at that stage, it looked like they were going to be able to sustain their run for at least some period of time. Because yeah. if these picks, if these top three picks had have been, you know, end of the lottery or t- ten to fifteen. Mm. It's nowhere near as good as it is now. Nowhere yeah. near. Yeah, and it, it changes. You still need a lot of luck or a lot of unluck, I guess. Mm. If you changes you know, the whole way you look at that that trade. Now, before we move on from Kyrie, really quickly, two other names that were thrown up today: Phoenix, Josh Jackson, and Denver's Jamal Murray as two other potential targets. The Phoenix, I heard, don't want to give up Josh Jackson. Is yeah, that right? there's been yeah. mixed reports, yep. but this was reported today that potentially. He could be with something that's Cleveland's interesting, which which again goes to the really, really, really young scale, unproven guys, as yep. opposed to your 24, 26 age area where they're proven, but they've still got room to growth. It really shows that the direction Cleveland could be taking is really, really young. If if they do end up trading Kyrie and they do get a young player in like a Josh Jackson or for a Jason Tatum, for, for, for example, yeah, sake, yeah, yeah. does that push, does that more confirm LeBron? probably walking in a year's time. I don't think, or do you think, I don't think so. I, yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with it. I think LeBron's made up his mind already in regards yeah. to what happens with Kyrie or who they get in the trade. I don't think that's going to change his decision too much. Yeah. What about a Pozingas? I mean, that's like a unicorn that he would mm. maybe think about. This could be quite an exciting time. I mean, I'd love to see that. Wouldn't, wouldn't you I like to see that, I, Luke? I would, but I guess we don't really know what LeBron's motives are. We don't, true, is yeah. there more off-court... Which I, mean, I think is what everyone seems to be talking about, why he yeah, wants to go to Los Angeles. Wh- what's his motive? It's a business move rather than a basketball move. Is he still at the stage? And you still need a better team. If it's just Puzingis in him, that's not good enough to get over Golden State. No, oh, you'd no. Need, you need the, you'd the keep, pieces around you know, well, They've got some nice pieces there. They've got a Corvar and a... You, you, I don't know what Derek... We'll see how Derek Rose goes. You probably have to go get rid of a love... You'd have to probably trade him off. I don't you, know. You we'll need see. another piece along with of course, Porzingis to it, keep him it'd there. It'd be quite exciting for for a oh, year's mate, time. I'd know? love it. Yeah, it'd be from awesome. LeBron's perspective, if he doesn't think that yeah. playing with two other All Stars, current All Stars, is is good enough, then just getting Porzingis back and no one else wouldn't mm. be enough of a draw. It'd be fun, and I'd love to see it. But from LeBron's perspective, I don't think that that would be enough to keep. Yeah, him. Yeah, there's no doubt. Hey, we'll move on from Kyrie because. There was another big, oh, not big news, but in the time of year that we are now, it's big. I like to call this this day the biggest tease in the NBA year because it kind of just, it fills a hole and gets you really excited for things to come, but they're not really quite there yet, and, and that's the schedule release. So, obviously, you have, as the weeks go by, you get the Christmas Day drop and you get the, the opening day. Which is all I really care about, to be honest, is that Christmas Day and my birthday. I want to see what, who's playing on those days right, and well, outside of that. Well, let's, let's, start, who's playing on let's start on Christmas then, because <laughs> it is the biggest day. It's the marquee slot of the NBA season. You want to be playing on Christmas Day. So again, they've gone for the five-game format, which seems to be working, starting off at about midday American time, and it finishes off at about oh, 10, 11 o'clock 10, 30, it, on yeah. the Pacific West time. So it's an entire day of basketball. It's over 12 hours. Yeah, it's mm. absolutely incredible stuff. Schedule this year. Held on Boxing Day for, for us. Yes. Start, starts very early in the four, morning on Boxing 4 a.m., I believe it starts. Yeah, I've taken the last couple of Boxing Days off just so I could I yeah. could go all the way through it's, and watch them. It is. And then usually the NBA does their Boxing Day fixture that night at about 7, 7.30. Oh, so it's a I'm full... basketball that night, unfortunately. Sorry, NBL. <laughs> no, no it's <laughs> I'm a full, stuffed. It's a full smorgasbord of basketball <laughs> on that day, there's no doubt. So Christmas Day this year... Starting from the early afternoon game, Philadelphia at New York. By the way, can we stop there? Yes. That's a terrible idea to play those two on Christmas Day. I know you're a Philadelphia I fan, Mike. Is- I'm, I'm fine to have Philly there. I think they're going to be a very exciting team to watch. 
Philadelphia against New York. Oh, and I know New York are a very high-drawing team, both um, you know nationally and all that sort of stuff. Like on, on TV, they're always going to get those viewers. I don't know if I want these two playing in the same team on Christmas, in the same game on Christmas. You want those marquee matchups? That's not a marquee I, matchup. I was very surprised that we got a, a <laughs> Christmas game for sure, and yeah. against New York. Uh, look, I'm excited to watch Philly games this year, but that that doesn't excite me. That game, no. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That, that was. Uh, I'm happy that was, to give that one a miss. Yeah, there, for sure. There were well, so many ways that that game could go wrong. What if Embiid? isn't healthy at that time? What if Carmelo isn't in New York? What if the, the Knicks are just the Knicks? How did the Knicks get that spot? Because, because of MSG. MSG. Yeah. What if Philadelphia are bad just because they're young, not because they're a bad team? There are so many ingredients that could make that game just, uh, I don't know, at that stage of the season, I don't know, a 10-15 win team versus a 10-15 win team. Yep. Do you want that on your marquee game? Absolutely not. There's no question about the next one after that, Cleveland at Golden State. Perfect. It's just... It's it's that's, the that's usual. The that you want. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's a, the tradition finals rematch on Christmas played at the the team that wins the titles stadium. No doubt about that. Washington and Boston gets that the marquee middle spot. I always see the middle spot. The second and third games for mine are always the the bigger games. What's that? Five thirty Eastern time, I think. Yeah, something like Washington, that, which doesn't bode me well because I'll be actually over. Uh, in the States at that time, that'd be mm. right around dinner time. And I don't yeah. know if my girlfriend's family are going to be mm. too keen for me so, to skip dinner for uh, well, a Celtics-Wizards game. But we'll Washington at Boston, they played each other about 10 million times last year. And here they go again on Christmas. Are you happy with it, Chris, with, with this matchup? Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. you'll have a team like Washington probably come top four in the East again. You'd That's say the expectation. Yeah. It's going to be pretty similar to the top four settings last year. Milwaukee might make a run to that top four spot. But from... What we can tell, Washington's still going to be a pretty decent side. So if you're going to have that um, Eastern Conference rivalry in that marquee 530 game, and Cleveland obviously can't be a part of it because they're playing Golden State, which is much better, mm. then I think that the Wizards, especially with the rivalry that the Celtics and the Wizards there created is a rivalry, last year, definitely. and there's a lot of hatred between those two teams, which I really like. You don't really see that in the NBA too much these days. Mm. And these two teams genuinely hate each other. And now we've got guys like um, Marcus Morris coming into the team as well, which would make it even worse. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this matchup. I think this is, again, this is the type of matchup that you want to see on Christmas. Let me set the scene back in May of the Eastern Conference Finals. I was in New York visiting mm-hmm. my good friend Chris Tyler over here. <laughs> and we're at a bar. I think it was game six or seven. Seven, In OT. Was it went to the game oh, that went what? to OT? I think it was game six that went. To... We saw game seven, though, on, on the All Sunday right. I think we bar. watched a few games, yeah. We must have, we must have. This too many okay, drinks first, can't remember. First, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah Warriors Cavs is the game I'm looking for. This is the That's second the game. Yep. game that I want to watch. Yeah, I I love what the Wizards are doing. I love the way they're set up. I'm also I don't really like the way the Celtics are set up because they're just an amazing organization and they got so many assets. But this game, I can't wait to watch this game. And I think the Wizards could could maybe crack top three this year. Maybe maybe get top two. We'll yep. see. It's going to be I wouldn't hard. be surprised. It wouldn't be surprising. No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm more looking forward to the next game, and that's Ruckus at Thunder. I mean, we want to see superstars on the court. This is that's going to be fun. Superstars littered everywhere. This is your your high octane, high scoring Western Conference affair on Christmas. That that that's that's the second game for mine. Obviously, the finals we mentioned. Number one, second for me is is Ruckus at Thunder. I mean, poor George. Um, uh, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook, excuse me, I couldn't speak that Chris one out. Paul, there. Paul, James Harden, James Harden, potentially Carmelo Anthony. That, that's the one for mine. Finishing Christmas, uh, Timberwolves at Lakers. So we get bookended. We start and finish with a, two games that. 
Lakers, yeah. you put them in the same category as the Knicks. Yeah. They, they're going to get they, national it, attention. It should so be. Got they always had a Christmas Day yeah. game. So, always, and yeah. deservedly so. Would you have preferred Celtics and Lakers over Celtics and Wizards? Um, no. Not the way I the don't Lakers think it are set up. I don't think it would have made a difference. The the no, I don't think up. it would have made a difference. Minnesota is a team I want to talk about a bit later on. Them and Philadelphia in terms of this schedule. Actually, we'll do it now. We'll move on. National TV games are always interesting for mine. So these include ESPN, ABC, and TNT games in America. We don't. I don't include NBA. Some websites include NBA TV in their national TV time slots. I think NBA TV is. It's not like it's a channel. It's still a. You still have to pay to get yep. NBA TV. So I don't really consider it national. If you still got to put in your, your extra services to get it, I look at this and I say, this tells me what teams the NBA is putting up in terms... They're promoting. They're promoting. So what teams do they want on the national market that's going to turn in an investment for them? I mean, Rockets, Cavs, Warriors, like, they were at the top. All the good teams were at the top. No surprise there. Two ones that surprised me. Minnesota have 17 national TV games, and the 76ers have 14. 14 national TV... When this, playoff teams, Utah have seven, Toronto only has five, and Memphis has three. And I understand those play, they're, not, they're playoff teams. They're not high-drawing teams. But I saw those Minnesota and Philadelphia numbers. I think that is a lot of games. Well, if you talk about the 76ers, Philadelphia's a pretty big market. It's one of the biggest basketball markets in the NBA, so it It doesn't surprise me, especially with that young core. It's a very historic franchise. They've got a lot of supporters all around the States. They are one of the hearts of basketball in the States, and they're a very young, exciting, up-and-coming team. So that one doesn't surprise me. The Minnesota one does, even with Jimmy Butler coming on Mm. board. That's not really historically a big basketball town. Mm. That's not really one of the, the, the big blood programs. But like with Utah, Toronto, and Memphis not getting... As many, yeah. um, that that's again fair enough because it's They're a small only, market team. Like yeah. Philadelphia is a big market team, mm. and uh, maybe the NBA we might see a drop off of Toronto this season. Oh, maybe that's why they're they're going that way. Yeah. They're not an exciting team to watch. They're pretty much the same. They haven't really made any big moves. Um, you know, they re-signed Serge Barker, but it doesn't surprise me that they haven't got. Maybe more than five. Maybe they deserve a little bit more than five, but I wouldn't have thought they deserve you know yeah. the thirteens, your fourteen type of I guess, games. Minnesota one surprises me. Yeah. But again, they got Jimmy Butler. Yeah, the, the, and they're that, an exciting team. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the young yeah. superstars of the league. Yeah, you, it's it's all about the NBA is all about superstar power, right? No so doubt. you have a look at Minnesota and 76ers. Minnesota have got Jimmy Butler and they've got Andrew Wiggins and they've got Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. 76ers have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. Utah now without. Gordon Haywood don't really have any marquee players. I guess you can say Rudy Gobert, but is he really that superstar to the level of these not, other players? Not going to put him on a poster. Not, not going to put him on a billboard. Exactly. Toronto don't really have anyone that particularly elicits much excitement on that team. I know they've got a good backcourt, but again, no one that you'd really want to promote uh, to non-NBA fans. And same case with Memphis. Like Mike Conley's a really good player, and Marcus Gasol's a really good player, but they're not these guys that will be able to sell you games. Yeah, and I, and I understand that, and I agree with it 100%. The only thing that got me with Philadelphia and Minnesota is how much do you... Va- so, okay, we used the Lakers example before. Yes, they lose games because they're young and they're rebuilding, but it's always the Lakers. It's the drawing power of the Lakers. There's no guarantees when we expect Minnesota to... I'm not too sold on Philly yet just because of they're young. It's because they're so young, not because of they haven't got... And good. a lot of their guys haven't played yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, played very limited basketball. Exactly yeah. right. So, I guess you've got to ask the question... If Philadelphia do have a losing season, which isn't is probably more likely than not, 
are they going to draw you as much back in return as the Lakers will? Because the Lakers will always do. Is You mentioned they're the big market, but are they still going to be... Do they have that drawing power where if it's a March game, middle of March, the dog days of the season, and they're playing, I don't know, your middle tier Eastern Conference side on a TNT Thursday night... Depends on how healthy they are. Well, it depends on how healthy, but as Chris said, it's a star-driven league, so people are going yeah. to tune in to watch the, yeah. to watch Ben Simmons go after it, Joel Embiid go after it. Not if they're winning twenty-five games, though. Uh, March is a I tricky one. I don't know. Like, if if those guys are all on the court, mm. even if they're underperforming, I think there's still enough intrigue, specifically for Embiid. Mm. I think even mm. with Philly struggling last season, people were tuning in to watch Embiid. Mm. Oh, no doubt. It's hard to say in March. You don't know where the team could be. Well, no, it's all projection. Yeah, completely underperforming, and people might not tune in. But for me, and I'm assuming you boys are the same, you tune in to watch good players. Mm. No, so that's I'd true. tune in just to see how Ben Simmons can do. Yep. But yeah, I there's mean, no I'm a Philly fan. I'm also biased. But I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said. Want, people yeah. want to see good players go after it. Yeah, and, and I They agree. are good players. Yeah, and like I said, it's all just projections. That's the one I, when I saw it, I thought, geez. I thought that might have been a bit too much if they deserved it. The I Minnesota don't know. one surprises me more. I mm, definitely, yeah, yeah. I guess they're, they're both on the equal level, aren't they? They will be fun to watch, though. They will be. There's no doubt about it. What will be fun to watch is opening night. We actually, we actually, we've actually bypassed the the the, the soonest game that's closest to us. That's opening night. I love this this fixture: Boston at Cleveland, and the Rockets at Golden State. Couldn't ask for anything better on opening night. It's, it's ring ceremony. It'll be the ring ceremony yes, night for the, for the Golden, Golden State, State Warriors. Warriors. It's a rematch of the conference finals of last year. Chris, you add Chris Paul to the mix. Oh, it's, it's exciting. Hayward, Gordon Hayward, yeah. Potentially oh, yeah, Irving Gordon. out. It, it's a big, big night, opening night. And I think... Oh, oh, New uniforms. A, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's always interesting elements. Got the GE logo. Yes, always interesting elements to the NBA schedule. And I think what this year's schedule also shows is player power is really, really, really taking part. First time ever, there's no more four games in five nights. Really Season's so. been pushed two weeks earlier. Starts Even in, better. Yep. It starts on the 17th, I believe. I could be wrong there. There's only an average of 14 back-to-backs per side, lowest since the 82-game schedule came in, in, in into into existence. This is all player-driven moves. Mm. This is all the players... And for the better, might I add. I'm yeah, not saying that we, negatively. We, for the better, they're driving this. The owners don't want players to rest. Exactly. And so the the less, less amount of back-to-backs you have, the less chance there is that star players will rest. There'll still be players that do rest. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, we're not going to be able to wait it completely out of existence, I don't think, anytime soon. But there will be less than last mm-hmm. year. And that's all we can hope for because we hate when, especially for nationally televised games, we're getting these Cleveland versus someone games and LeBron James sits out or they get all their players sitting out. The San Antonio have done it a bunch of times as well. We want to see less mm. of this. So it's good for the players. It's good for the league. It's good for the owners. It's good for everyone. Big games are also going to be extra protected. So games on ABC, yeah. nationally televised games, there'll be no game before or after. So Which those yeah. big games, the big players will be there. Yeah, also, no on, I've also got the toughest schedule and the easiest schedule on last year's win-loss yeah. uh, percentage. So the Cavs have the easiest Easy. schedule <laughs> yeah. and I've, the Suns I've, have the toughest. I've got that same that study is in front very of me. surprising that the Cavs who finished in the finals, they didn't do well in the finals, but they've been in the finals three straight years, get the easiest schedule going into next season. Tell me, Luke, uh, how they have done that 
Well, what I reckon, honestly, with all due respect to, to, to the research and the studies that do this, I don't buy into any of those because at the end of the day, there's 41, Larry Bird said it best, there's 41 home games, there's 41 away games. How can you judge, it in, in a league where player movement is so potent and teams are changing year on year, how can you choose, and I mean, it's, I understand it. And it's a surprise, but I don't think when the NBA makes these schedules, a lot of it's just computer generated. You know, you got to play this team X amount of times, this this team X amount of times. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything behind it. I mean, well, it, it also comes down to the fact that Cleveland are playing in the East and the Suns are playing in the West. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Suns, so, so Suns are playing go, yeah. a lot tougher <laughs> conference, and they're going to be facing a lot better yeah. teams. Yeah, just due to the fact that they're in the West. And you can also add to that; it doesn't factor into the study, but. Cleveland are a good team and Phoenix aren't a good team. So naturally, the the teams that are worse are going to have tough schedules. Not not because like, that it's that's, st- it still goes on win loss though. It's not saying whether yes. you're better or worse or anything like yeah, that. It's I know, based but, on win losses from last year. I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, oh, it, it is. It's interesting when you say, "Oh, geez, Cleveland's got the easiest schedule," but I don't. There's nothing that the NBA can really do about it. That's just a lot of it's computer generated. Well, so I don't think there's any real reasoning behind it. I think that's just how it panned out for mine. I don't see any real, I don't know, conspiracy theory <laughs> behind that one. Before we move on from the schedule and into some draft stuff, um, another big, big story out of that schedule release is always the homecoming day. So I'm just going to throw a few guys, a few of them at you guys. And what ones of these are you most looking forward to? So Feb 9, Jimmy Butler returns to Chicago. December 13th, Paul George returns to Indiana. March 28th, so really late in the season, Gordon Haywood returns to Utah. Gen 15 and Feb 28, Chris Port returns to LA in a Clippers game, not in Lakes, in a Clippers game. And October 26th, DeMarcus Cousins returns to Sacramento, even though it was uh, happened last year. He hasn't played in Sacramento. Well, that's, not that's the last on my list. <laughs> that's not even on my list. No. That's that is. That, that's top no. of my list. You want to ask top of my list? This is quote. No, 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 no. Quote Demarcus Cousins. This is, he was asked in an interview about playing Sacramento and playing in Sacramento. This is Demarcus Cousins' quote: "I can't wait. Oh my god, I can't wait. I'm praying it's the first game." <laughs> That's all of a sudden. How many times do you hear players say, oh, "It's just another game. It's just another game." Demarcus Cousins. Oh my god, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. It's still going to be a shit game. It's still going to be terrible. Anyway, so the, what are you... Two, so I've, got, I've got two, and one I may be a little bit biased about. I'll <laughs> say that to second. The first one is probably Houston and Clippers, because yeah. they're still going to be teams that I think will finish... Houston will probably be second in the West, mm-hmm. and then you'd say Clippers maybe around the fifth, sixth mark. So you've still got two really good teams, uh, whereas a lot of these matchups that you mentioned, like I don't want to watch... Paul George play against an Indiana Pacers team that only really has Miles Turner, and that's about it. Mm. And similar with Jimmy Butler, I don't want to watch any of the Bulls this season at all. They're just <laughs> they're, they're trash. So at least with Houston and Clippers, you get two pretty good uh, teams going at it. Obviously, Houston are going to be the favorite fa- favorite by quite a bit. And they're going to be yep. fun to watch anyway. So any chance that you have to watch Houston, I want to be able to take. And similar to, to Clippers, I think they're intriguing more than anything else. And then, not just because I'm being biased, but the Celtics in Utah, because I still think that Utah, despite the fact that Gordon Haywood did leave, they should still be a solid team next season as well. They'll probably be around the bottom half of the eight in the West, you'd say, probably around the sixth to seventh mark-ish. So you've got a Celtics team who's going to finish top two in the East. They're going to be a fun team to watch. They're going to be a high-scoring team. They're going to have maybe three All-Stars, you'd say, next season, depending on how things go. And then you've got Rudy Gobert for the Jazz. You've got Ricky Rubio. You've got the Aussie Joe Ingles as well. These are two good teams. And so for me, 
these two games, but the Celtics in Utah as well as Houston and the Clippers are by far the best two uh, games out of the ones you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah um, I'd have to put Clippers and Houston as my favorite that I'm looking forward to. Also, on that, the Boston and the Utah game, there's a little bit of bad blood there as well. Oh, yeah. So I'm also mm. excited to, to, to leave. I mean, Chris Paul left the Clippers... It was time for him to move and on. And he helped not... them out in the same process. It was a sign yeah. of trade rather than a free agency yeah. move. So they still got pieces in return. And it's kind of like, and are, they... the, are the Clippers going to boo Chris Paul? Like, no, I don't they, think oh, so. They probably will, but is there going to be venom behind it? Nah. And, and, and the Pacers traded away Paul George. The Bulls traded yeah. away Jimmy Butler. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, what is it? 29th of March, to 2018. I'm really looking forward to that because there's a little bit of bad blood there. Yep. So that'll mm. be exciting. Yep. I'm also looking forward to seeing Paul George back at the Pacers. I'm a big Paul George's Paul George fan, and I'm excited to see yeah. him in an Oklahoma City Thunder uniform. Yeah. And I think that'll be that'll be a good game playing at his his old team. Yeah, and we'll, ne- we'll never have a day when LeBron first returned to Cleveland in Miami. That <laughs> still ring. I remember that day like it was yesterday. That game rings in my mind. I've never heard a crowd boo that hard. I think Charles Barkley said it. That was like an early December game. He said it felt like a playoff game. The energy inside that building pre-game was was palpable. Of course, it got drained out after the first quarter. Miami absolutely blew them out of the water. But that game stands as just one of the craziest crowd atmospheres you'll ever see in a regular season game. The reverse of that, when Paul Pierce and KJ came back to Boston yes. and were greeted with cheers. Cheers and tears and Again, a bit different because they didn't want to leave and... You know they won us a championship yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't their decision to leave; they were, they wanted to stay. Mm. So it is different than the LeBron James situation. But that was that was a, a big moment for the Boston franchise as well. What about the thirteenth of November, mm-hmm. Cleveland at New York? Birthday. Derek Rose, big return. I, I mean, <laughs> it's not a big return, but it's, it didn't have it on my list, and it probably deserves to be there. If, if oh, I I, I, who knows? No, no, no. Look, I was I was, like, yeah, I was former, joking around. But... He's a former MVP. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That would be interesting. And cool. j- just to, to bring this back to, to what I said at the start about uh, the game that I'm looking forward to for my birthday. Yes. It is, thankfully, um, Golden State at Boston. So I'm going to try to make it over so to Boston. So you've got to take the train down from New York to Boston. Is that how It'll the, be the bus? The, uh, the, the bus. bus. Yes. The long bus trip. Yeah, it's like four hours. It's long a good, it's a good bus, bus I haven't trip. done it. Can I also say one game that I'm really looking forward yes. to? Yes. Yes. Uh 28th of November, 2017, Cleveland versus uh, Philly. Just for the fact that Ben Simmons is a good mate of LeBron. He's Mm. like a LeBron protege. That'll be an exciting game. A lot of people see those two teams as the passing of the torch. I think Embiid had a quote earlier this year saying, when when, uh, Cleveland fall down, we're going to be the ones that, (laughs) you know, a little bit of the the new kids on the block. Yeah. Trying just to take it from the old guys. I definitely just like to see them. And there's so many many matchups like that. We can look through the high. There's going to be a lot, a lot of good games, no doubt. Move on from the schedule. I know Chris wanted to bring this up. Big news in the draft landscape. Now, Marvin Bagley is a name that not a lot of people probably would have heard of yet. Chris, I know you're all over him and... He has reclassified to Duke for this upcoming college basketball season. What's What does this mean? So this is massive news. Marvin Bagley is a guy who is touted by some to be a once-in-a-generation gener- once type talent, right? It, yeah. I saw a list on Twitter, and I think Mikey saw the same one, where someone ranked the biggest prospects coming out of high school in the last, I don't know, do, do you know how... 17, 17 18 years. Yeah. In, so in, it's in a long time. I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah and LeBron yeah. was number one on the list, and Marvin Bagley Jr. was the second. So this this is a guy that 
a lot of people are very high on. A lot of people said he would have gone number one in this year's draft had he been eligible. He would have gone ahead of Markel Fultz. This is how good he is. So right. he was going to. He was only a junior in high school, but he just graduated. So he applied to reclassify from next year to this year, and it just got granted by the NCAA that he could reclassify. And yesterday he came out and said that he is going to Duke. Can you explain what reclassifying? So means? reclassifying means that he was going to graduate high school in 2018, so he'd be eligible to start college in 2018, which meant he would have been able to go in the 2019 Mm. uh, NBA draft, which he was touted to be the number one draft pick. Reclassifying means he could finish a year early because, like I said, he graduated from school already, so he could do that. So reclassified, meaning he can already graduate high school, he can go to college this year, and then he's eligible for next year's draft, the 2018 draft. so, so what does this mean for the draft? What does this mean for the NBA teams vying for that number one See, number the, one pick? Well, it, it means they get a chance to draft a once-in-a-generational talent. Yeah. This guy's 6'11", incredibly versatile, very, very high-skilled. But the reason why I'm excited about him reclassifying isn't just because teams have a chance to draft someone to the uh, at the caliber of Marvin Bagley Jr., but it's also because of the fact that now it's gone from there's four superstar potential superstar players in next year's draft to five. So if you're going to be around that top five mark in the NBA draft, this draft has now gotten even more loaded. So if you're going to finish fifth, now all of a sudden you had who was going to be touted as the fourth best player before Marvin yeah. Bagley Jr. came in. So from a Celtics perspective, we have both the Nets pick as well as next year's Lakers pick provided it falls in between two and five. Yeah. So if we ended up with that fifth Lakers pick, before Marvin Bagley Jr. reclassified, we wouldn't have got any of, and these are the names that uh, were thrown up before Marvin Bagley Jr. reclassified. Michael Porter Jr., who's gone to Missouri, he was probably number one. Luka Doncic, uh, who's playing at Real Madrid or Barcelona, one of them. He's playing in Spain. He's going to be a superstar as well. Mo Bamba, who's playing at Texas, I think. I can't really remember. I get confused between a lot of these recruits when I haven't seen them play at all. And uh, DeAndre Ayton. They were the four that people are really excited about at the moment. Now that you chuck in Marvin Bagley, it just means that there's another player that teams can aim for if they're going to be in that top five. If you have that fourth pick, it means that now you're getting the third best out of those th- out of those four potentially. So it just means that all these players are, are move move back because at this stage, I think Bagley's probably going to be one, maybe two behind Michael Porter Jr. There's just more um, talent for the NBA draft next year, which is fantastic. And from a Celtics perspective, being by a Celtics fan, it means that our draft picks are a lot more um, mm. valuable as well now. If we if we can, if, if that wasn't going to be enough to get someone like Anthony Davis, potentially now saying, all right, Marvin Bagley Jr. has reclassified, so there's a better chance that we're either going to get him or one of these other four guys in the draft next year, then the Pelicans might go, all right, now we might actually listen to some trade talks. So I don't know if, even if we keep the picks, I don't know whether Danny Yange would want to use both of them because we've got very limited roster space. I'd hope that we do because if you have a chance of drafting two of these superstars, then you probably should. But we saw this year trading down from one, not picking up Marco Fulton instead going for Jason Tatum and getting next year's Lakers pick or the Sacramento pick the year after that. Ainge likes to have these extra assets. So I don't know whether he wants to flip that second of the two picks should they both convey and get more picks in return or what. But it's just exciting. If you're if you're a bottom five team, if you're a team that's looking to tank next year, tank next year this is the year to do it because there are five genuine <laughs> superstar players who are going to be right there for you, to, for, for, for you to take and potentially be these franchise players that you've been looking for. Do we see his 2018 draft as deep as maybe this year's draft, or does it kind of drop off it's after that number deep. five? This, this, this draft was deep. Mm. We got... 
in, in this year's draft, we had talented players taken yeah. mid-second round. Mm. Yeah. They weren't all superstars. Again, it's, it's always tiered systems in the NBA draft. But you, there was a lot of talent going late first round, early second round. That's the deepest draft that I've seen in a long, long time. I don't think next year's draft, and I haven't looked into it as much as I, I will over the next couple of yeah, months. Once the season starts. But from what yeah. I can tell and what I've read up about it, it's not a deep draft. But though, that top five would probably be better than the top five in this year's draft for sure. And also on that list as well that I saw, it was number five was Ben Simmons and number seven was Joel Embiid. So mm. just to get perspective of how good or how yeah. highly rated this kid is, yeah. LeBron was one, obviously, and Bagley too. So. And Durant was three, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And AD was four, I think, four. yeah. So this is just so Fair company. <laughs> but again, you hear this every year. That. Like in, There's always, in, yeah. In the draft well, where it was something... Wiggins and Parker, they mm. were both saying that Wiggins and Parker were going to... They were saying Wiggins is going to be the biggest thing since LeBron. LeBron. That, was, that, that yeah. was what they were saying about Wiggins. A lot of hype about Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins. Yeah. And he hasn't lived up to that hype. It's fair to say. No, yeah. how, how is Mark or Marvin, Marvin Bagley, Marvin Bagley built? Yeah. 6'11", bit skinny, but very versatile, very athletic. Power forward. Yeah, so obviously in this year's draft, we saw a lot of point guards taken really yeah. high. This was the point guard draft. Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball... Um, uh, Dennis, Dennis Fox, Smith, Smith uh, Nilakina. Yeah. This year's for big men. Pretty much every guy that you would want in this draft is six ten and above. So mm. if you have, and they're all athletic, they're not. Mm. I'm gonna say it's a really interesting, uh, uh, just just argument with the modern day basketball is a lot of small ball. Yep. And a lot of teams doubling, going smaller. But if they're athletic and if they can stretch the floor, well, then it's not your traditional seven footer, are they? Yeah, exactly. And they they, they have been, uh. Playing youth basketball in this whole current NBA landscape yeah. where yeah. everyone does play this way. So when they get to the NBA, they won't have any trouble adjusting to how the NBA game is played. I think a lot of them have played a lot outside of the perimeter as well. They can knock down the three. Uh, they're very versatile on defense, which you need to have in the NBA as well. We see guys like Brad Stevens especially preach versatility. Even the Golden State Warriors, yeah. the, the versatility is key. And most of these guys have incredible versatility, and that's what you want in uh, in modern-day NBA. Yeah, it's going to be... It's, it adds another element to the college basketball season to watch this guy go through. And unfortunately, he's going to Duke, which I wouldn't have liked. <laughs> that means that now four of the top ten high school recruits are going to Duke. So they've already won the, the, the title. Last year, they had a lot as well, and they didn't win. Okay. So they, they okay. have been known to choke. But they're but the favourites. They, they would definitely be the favourites, Definitely yes. be the favourites. There's no doubt about it. Hey, before we finish, just wanted to quickly touch on it. Now, it's a little small story, but as a lover of of, of what of, of the fashion of the NBA, we'll call it, what teams wear, the jerseys, the uniforms, big news, obviously, all the teams are going to Nike this year. And we've seen over the past two weeks, so many teams are bringing their, their new uniforms out. Now, some teams have really updated uniforms where you can really noticeable. Other teams haven't changed it, or some teams kind of fall in the middle where there's just a little sharpness, a little more mod- modernized look. Some of those teams, like teams like Brooklyn, San Antonio, the Rockets, you're going to look at them. You're not going to, it's not going to look that different, but to the people who look at the fine details, there's some small things. But I wanted to talk about the real, the new, new, new jerseys. And I think Indiana, Minnesota, and Cleveland are probably at a free. That when you look at them, they're going to look different next year. I'm not sold on Cleveland's yet. I'm a bit 50-50 on them. I mean, they look a bit bit gothic, the writing. It very, uh, a cheap look about them. It does but look cheap, yeah. I feel like it will grow on me. <laughs> it's that strange situation. I don't situation. like the colours. Well, that's their colours, like, though. That's I don't know, but it's like a darker red. 
Yeah, the red is then, definitely darker. It's not the wine red. Is that what you call it? Wine, wine, yes. The wine and gold. The, uh-huh. the, wine the, and gold. the embroidery or that said calves is yes. massive lettering. Yes, in the white massive jersey. Massive lettering. It's very big. It's huge lettering. <laughs> and it's got lettering. those sharp gothic edges. And, it's, and, and also, we there's they're selling ad space for the first time mm. in NBA some history. Some teams have, some teams haven't. Um, uh, and they've got the Goodyear, of... which is based in OI, so it makes sense. It looks good, the Goodyear one. The, the, the advertising one's interesting. I think M- Milwaukee is the only team. Best one. The, the, the Harley Davidson. Not the best one. But they're the only team that the actual logo is a different color. It's like it's orange and it looks black. strange. Yeah, it's mm. not. Now, Brooklyn, I forgot who Brooklyn's sponsor is. Sorry, I, sorry to, to the sponsor. I don't think they'll care. <laughs> <laughs> so, their logo. I think they're doing all right. <laughs> their logo. They're going to be at the bottom anyway. No one's going to be buying their jerseys. Their logo is red. A really bright red. Mm. And they originally. Target. Sponsored by Target. No, no, it's not Target. <laughs> they originally put it out in. As the logo was bright red. So, it was a black and white top with a big. Bright red for footy fans compared to the big fly image logo on the black and white Collingwood. It stood out like that. They've actually changed it since. They've changed it to black and white. Yeah, exactly. So they've blent it into the jersey. GE Money, the Boston Celtics. I think GE Money have some blue logos in their system, but not on the Boston jersey. It's the green and white. Um, Philly's got StubHub, but I think yes. the primary colors same, are what, the same yeah. colors. So most teams is the same colors, yeah. which is what you want to see. You don't want to see these big, you know, lime green or highlighter. I think it looks how the NBA have done, how they've sold their ad space, because I didn't know how they were going to sell them. Yeah, it looks better be than... Cl- ba- very, barely noticeable. They're very classy. Ba- barely noticeable they? when you're watching that's, the game. That's the thing, because I was worried that it was going to go down if you watch like European yeah. basketball or even NBA. NBL. And they've got the big... Like, even the naming sponsor of teams on the front yeah. or the big uh, logos on the back or anything Multiple like that. Multiple logos. The fact that it's a, it's a little patch on the on the chest. It's going to be unnoticed when you're watching it. I, I, I don't mind it. I, I mean, think, like you said, it's, it's classier than I, I think I was perhaps expecting yeah, and I was expecting the worst case scenario, but I don't mind what it yeah. is. I thought it was going in WNBA style, if you watch that, where mm. they have a few logos yeah. and they pretty much dominate the jersey, like, yeah. as you said, other sports. Um, Indiana, Minnesota jerseys? Forts? Minnesota will grow on me. Indiana is... I actually had it as my worst uniform. Your worst? Yeah, least favorite. Yep. Chris? Uh, out of the two, I'd say I, I dislike Minnesota more, but I don't... I'm not a big jersey guy. Anymore. I, I wish we could just all go back to the '90s style jerseys. Like I want the '90s rocket jerseys, mm. and I want, I want all the like. I, I love, a bit I more, love the '90s, a bit more out even there. Hornets. I don't like the Hornets jersey that they've been rocking the past couple of years. They've I want the, the old school Hornet with the actual Hornet logo mm. on it and all that sort of stuff. I don't like the new Hornet logo. I want to go back to those days. I, I was saying that. You know what I really loved last year? And they yes. can't do it full time. Yes. But my favorite jersey last year, I think it was last year, might have been the year before. Was the Indiana Pacers hickory, hickory. jerseys? Yep. I loved the hickory jerseys. Yep. They were my favorite of the year. The, sh- the shorts looked a bit weird, but they very kind of added old to school. It. Yeah, because it was Hoosiers, obviously the based movie. on the Hoosiers the movie. movie. Yep. So they wore the, the hickory um, jerseys in uh, in homage to that movie. But mm-hmm. that's the stuff I like. I, a lot of the the ones these days they're just too sleek. I just don't like it. I want the old school type jerseys. Everyone remembers the Raptors of the early Raptors yeah. with Vince Carter. And yep. That. Absolutely oh, love that jersey. one. Oh, I, I love Gotta bring that. All oh, the rockets, as you said, the... that's cool. Pink like now they're my favorite. yeah, I agree. They're just a bit bland and they're too slick. I they love just, they try to do too slick. That's I, like, I yeah. love the slickness. Dude, I love all the modernized look. That oh, the new. I, I, don't, I love no, it. I don't dislike well, old it. Old school but... Denver. Old school Denver. Oh, the the colorful one. They've yep. worn that jersey. I um, like on occasion. I like the throwback jerseys. And yeah. it should be mentioned. We've only seen the home and away, or they don't call them home and away jerseys anymore. 
They are, we've only seen two jerseys for each team. There's going most teams are going to have four or five jerseys. Yep. Your throwbacks and, and your alternates. Christmas so Day. yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Can mean, we finally guess one. Um, St. Patrick's <laughs> you Day. You going to buy one? Uh, no, I'm going to get a. I'm going to get a, a Nike Association one. Yeah. So it's. I think or Icon I might get and the Association, icon, which is. The old They're road. They're home and away. Home and away. Yeah. Which is the old yeah. road, the different color, and then the white will be association. But can I say my favorite one? Yes. Is the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns. I just, I love Slight what Slight changes. It's, it's can't so... tell enough of a difference. <laughs> See, I love Indiana's. I love this. I like jerseys. I love Indiana's. I reckon nah. Indiana's has got that old school look about it. I reckon it does kind of entail, you know, the, the basketball state that Indiana is with the, it, it's simple yet modern. I want more pictures. On my jerseys. You want more pictures? Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm with Chris. No, yeah. I, I want less pictures. I don't like the big... Give me pictures. I don't yeah. like a big animal. Big but cartoon if you animal. See, I'll, I'll get serious. If you see Indiana <laughs> running down the court, you go, what that, what's, that, what's that number? What's that number? What are they? It's too muddled. Do you it's buy in? Do you buy into the theory? And there was a caller on SEN about this last week, and it's a bit off topic, but it is on topic. Let's talk about the Gold Coast Suns and uh, about the Gold Coast Suns jerseys. And we had this person ring in who apparently works in that space, in that mental space of athletes, and he said there is a mental element if you're versing a team that hasn't got an intimidating jersey. Do you buy into that in any way or shape whatsoever? I have uh, no um, <laughs> um, expertise in that area, but not 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 at all. No, Mike? I, I wouldn't have bought into that. No, no. Yeah. No. All right. Well, then we'll move on. Then we'll finish the podcast. <laughs> on. If, if that's the case, Brooklyn Nets have got one of the most scariest looking jerseys. Black. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The bottom. Yeah. Of the- I just thought it was. What about is, is that the same case if you go to the, the names of mascots? If you're playing the Pelicans, you're pretty pumped. Oh, I I, I, I think so. I, I some names are, are bad. If you're playing the, even the Lakers doesn't really do it for mine. The Lakers. What about my favorite in in college? Because college have a lot of good. Well, ones. they got a lot of teams. They do. My favorite is the Billikens, the... St. Louis Billikens. What are they? What are Billikens? Billikens is a fictional character. It's like a little cute troll kind of thing that's, <laughs> that was in a children's book from a, a St. Louis based author from the early nineties. Is the troll on their jerseys? No, I don't think that so. Would that's where the terrific. NBA is going. They're going to college jerseys because college jerseys, are, correct me if I'm wrong, never really had pitches on their jerseys. From what I could, I've only been following college the last no, I don't 15 think they, years. Yeah, no, they even have... like the 90s when Georgetown, when they had... Correct, Iverson, it's all pretty jersey. much the name from what I can bring remember. Back yeah. the, I, bring back the logos. Bring back you. pitches. Yeah. The big rocket, yeah. the big hornet. The oh, best jersey. Stuff. You guys got to get, get out of the 90s. You know, we're in the, nearly <laughs> in the 2020s now. We've, we've moved on. I'll never get out. We have moved on from Wait. big cartoon <laughs> pitches on our jerseys. No, we've moved on. Um, we'll end it on that fun note there. Um, before we head off, just, just before we finish, Chris, where can we find you on Twitter and all your work and, and all that type of good stuff? You can find me at Christos Tyler as well. I've got a new podcast coming in the next Ooh. couple of months, which I'll be oh, yeah. uh, letting Are everyone know. Are we allowing that, Mikey? Cross-promotion. <laughs> yeah, uh, also, let's also send Chris. He's going back to New York in two days or tomorrow. Two, two days, yes. Two days. Yeah. Yes, on Friday morning. So, so if you ever want me, just get me on. I'm going to be setting up my own studio over there, hopefully. Ooh. So I'm going to be uh, chilling out there. He's going to be at Games Crossing for us. Ooh. I don't hopefully, know about live. That, that'll be great. Yeah, And hopefully for my birthday, you can call me on my birthday and I'll be at the uh, Boston Celtics Golden State Warriors game. But whenever you want me, boys, yes, I'll, I'm just a phone call away. Yes, we'll look forward to it, Mikey. You can find me at Mick Fell 12 mm-hmm. on Twitter. Yes, excellent. 
And that, that is SCN podcast. <laughs> 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 that is, oh, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Sakari at SCN America. Hashtag SCN NBA podcast. And until next time, we'll catch you then. Napa know how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How.